Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. This is Blue Moon. It's the original fan-made Manchester City podcast. Coming up, we've got news and views from Cities Week. It's your club, and this is your show. It's back to action for Manchester City this week as the winter break is over and the football returns. Never an easy challenge, though, because the first game back is the most unwinnable one of the season. An FA Cup trip away to Spurs on a Friday night. The only thing we can say about that is thank God it isn't Wigan. Small mercies and all of that. Then it's back to Premier League action on Wednesday with the visit of Burnley to the Etihad. Let's face it, things normally go pretty well against the Clarets, especially at home. It's nine wins in a row against them at Eastlands with 37 goals scored in the process. So Friday night is difficult viewing, hopefully. Hopefully Wednesday will be a bit easier. We'll preview both of those games on today's Blue Moon podcast. Later on, we'll be joined by Rosa from the Hometown Glory podcast to tell us about Spurs. And we'll hear from Joe from Turfcast, who will explain why Burnley's season hasn't gone as they'd hoped. We'll also spare some time for off-the-pitch matters as well, as City's Chief Football Operations Officer, Omar Barada, has joined the club that includes the likes of Freddie Vasselli, Tony Coton, Wynne Davis and Billy Meredith, people who have left City to join Manchester United. All of that to come, but first let's introduce today's guests. I'm David Mooney, one of the gays on this week's show, and with me is another gay and a female. It's Sarah Winterburn from Football 365. Ticking all the boxes, David. Ticking all the boxes. <laughs> Gotta be done. And our token straight white male is One Football's Dan Burke. Hi, Dan. What an introduction that is. Hello. <laughs> you know, you've got to fill the quota somewhere, haven't we? <laughs> Tokenism, yeah. yeah. And, you're, and you are the most picked upon section of society, Dan, so... <laughs> That's right, yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm constantly feeling harangued. Yeah, yeah. Um, very quickly, Dan, the, the UK's been battered by storms this week. Uh, I just wonder, what's the worst weather you've been at a game at? Oh, it's an easy one for me. That one against Everton in December 2010 when it was about minus 12. Yeah. Um, yeah, I lost all feeling in my feet well before half time. And I remember this was the Snud era before they were banned and Yaya Torre was really close to where I sat at the time. And he'd like pulled his Snud up over his ears to kind of keep his ears warm, which <laughs> I don't blame him for, to be honest. But it looked like he was sort of like, you know, those those like shawls that old ladies wear. It looked like one of them. And I think they banned Snuds quite soon after that. Probably That was probably why. Yeah. Yeah, it was uh, that was the game where we could have gone top on Christmas Day, mm. uh, but everything fell apart because of. I mean, it's Everton at home, so of course it did. Um, Tim Cahill scored, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, naturally. yeah, yeah. As he always did. Uh, Sarah, the, uh, the the worst weather at a game you've been at? Anything uh, stand out? Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to Preston. Why would anyone go to Preston? I went, um, I went to uni in Preston. Oh well, you'll know how cold <laughs> it can get. <laughs> I was covering a game once, and I think it was nil nil. I don't know who was who Preston were playing, but I honestly contemplated putting my feet in the pies at half time. <laughs> in my in my adult state, I actually thought this might be a very good idea. Yeah, I, uh, I'm surprised. I, I mean, if any, any of you have ever been to Boundary Park, um, that is honestly. The, I, I covered a game there one August and uh, needed three coats. It was uh, honestly, <laughs> I don't understand it. Doesn't make any sense in Oldham. Um, right. Well, the winter break is done, and we now have a packed schedule of FA Cup, Afcon, and of course Premier League action. Beat the January Blues and watch every game with the atmosphere it deserves down at your local Green King pub. Don't settle for a dodgy stream. If it's on the telly, it's on at your local Green King across their huge HD screens. That includes all. 
resolve City's next six games, starting with Spurs and Burnley this week. If you download the Green King Sports app, you also receive 10% off every single drink whenever there's a game on. Their venues offer a range of low and no alcohol options, so for any teetotalers like me, or if you're doing dry January, it doesn't mean you have to settle for a worse sports watching experience. Um, Let's talk about Spurs then. Um, We start with uh, a look ahead to this FA Cup tie. Let's be honest, all of our hearts dropped, Dan, when this happened. Number seven. Number seven is Tottenham Hotspur, currently fifth in the Premier League, eight-time winners. Gary, it's over to you, no pressure here, Gary. (laughs) Number 21. They're playing... Number 21, Manchester City. Of course, the defending champions. How are we feeling about that one, Gary? To be the best, you've got to beat the best. I I like that answer. Very good. Wow. That is going to be a tasty tie. Gary Mabbott doing the FA Cup draw there. Um, Clearly, Dan, he knows what he's doing, getting Spurs a bye into the next round, isn't he? Yeah, to be the best, you've got to beat the best. To be the best, you've got to score a goal that Spurs away in City's case, aren't you? So, yeah, that's us out of the cup, isn't it? Oh, well. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because, Sarah, I clipped this up as well from uh, last season. Season um, when uh, City were going for the treble, uh, Guardiola was asked this by Sky Sports. He was asked, "What if he achieved the treble? What could come next? What would be the next challenge for you? I scored a goal against the Spurs away. <laughs> Possible. <laughs> so I stay because I want to beat the Spurs <laughs> away." <laughs> Now, City's last goal in the N17 postcode was scored by uh, Kevin De Bruyne, and that was under Pellegrini's reign. So, uh, like, it's it's a while ago. <laughs> Sarah, what's uh, I mean, he, he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Is Guardiola never planning to leave? Is that is that the, is that the case? Sir? <laughs> it's never going to happen, is it? And very funny, isn't it? Gary Mabbott saying to, to be the best, you've got to be you know nonsense, Gary. You've got no clue, have you? This is an absolute gimme for Tottenham. It couldn't have got any easier. <laughs> If they'd have drawn Newport County at home, I think this will probably be the preferable draw. Yeah, right. So on a serious note, though, uh, let's actually preview the game. We've got uh, Rosa from the Hometown Glory podcast with us. Hello, Rosa. Hey, guys. Uh, you, it must feel, feel odd hearing us talk about this this tie in such a way because, um, I mean, most teams would, would uh, not relish the chance of City at home. Um, but you've, you do have this hold over us. Yeah, man. Um, it feels like a trap, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, why? Why Why? Do, why does it keep happening? I don't know, because I think it's just so much of it, ultimately, I think is to do with the kind of club that Tottenham are. And we haven't like won very much, but like this is our trophy. Like beating the best team in the world, the best coach in the world. This, this is what we've got. You you will like prize it from our cold dead hands basically because we're just chaos man we don't like win stuff but this we've got yeah it doesn't make sense but it does in the Spurs context that's it and Dan as much as we joke about City's record um like it feels like there is a genuine issue here it's like going to Anfield City just don't do well there yeah I mean I kind of think I'm kind of an optimist when I come to records like this. I kind of think the longer it goes on, the, the sooner it's going to end. Is that how probability works? I'm not. I'm no mathematician, <laughs> but I, th- I, th- I think so. I th- and, and this is why you shouldn't let straight white men onto this. <laughs> exactly. It'll make, yeah. make no sense. I've made I've made a mess of it already, haven't I? Yeah. And, and to be fair, I have been saying something similar about Anfield for well over two decades now, and I still don't really count our win there in the COVID season as properly ending that run. Um, nor do I fancy us to win at Anfield later this season. So the laws of probability definitely don't seem to apply to that ground. I think the difference between the two um, records is that 
you know, I feel like plenty of really good city sides have gone to Anfield and been overawed by the atmosphere and the occasion and been well beaten. Whereas I don't feel like the games against Spurs have been quite so one-sided. Like, I mean, we were hopeless there last season and the time before that and the time before that, I think. But, you know, doesn't... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I'd say we were, we were well beaten in any of them and there was that 2-0 there in what was it 2020 that one when we missed the penalty in about four open nets and um, we missed the penalty there in the Champions League game as well so I feel like every game that we've gone to at Spurs when we've lost there's been a point where it, we've fluffed a big chance that might have changed the game and hopefully this time we take one of those chances finally score a goal and go on to win the game but who knows yeah, Sarah. Is there anything in that? Is there is is there something where, like, ahead of the game, it just gets into everybody's heads where they just go, "Look, we can't win here. We never do." No, I, th- I think Rose has absolutely smashed this. It's absolutely nothing to do with City at all. It's to do with the absolutely mental nature of Spurs. This is their trophy. I don't. I don't think you should try and take it from. Them. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should just accept that this this is it. This is this is how it goes. Night follows day, and you can't score at Tottenham. And you know this is not—it's not about systems, is it? Because this is this—you know—we're talking about a Spurs record that takes in about seven managers, including some absolute chumps in that time, and yet the record still remains. So I, I'm not even sure it's a psychological thing. I think it's just—you know—it's lightning. It's bottled. It's fine. Just <laughs> move on. Yeah, I always wonder because it, it, it's when I think back to kind of like City's record against Liverpool. It's like they've 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 literally changed everything down the years. They've changed managers. They've changed chairman, owners, stadiums, like literally everything. Players, and it just like as you say, night follows day. It still happens. So um, just on to Friday's game, Rosa. Is there a sense that because um, I mean we always talk, we're talking here as as if City are, are going to struggle. Is there a, is there that sense with uh, with Spurs fans? Do you get the sense that that you kind of go, yeah, it's City at home. We always win this one. We'll be fine. Or is the is the kind of the feeling, you know, this could be the week where it doesn't happen. Yeah, I think it's 50-50, really. I think there's obviously that certain sense of sort of chaotic bravado amongst Spurs fans where we're like, because we've beaten you so many times and because, you know, one of the managers that beat you was like actual Nuno Espirito Santo. So it's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's obviously not just when we've had like, you know, sensible managers. Um, But at the same time... It would be incredibly Tottenham, I think, for us to have finally started playing football that we all love to see, for us to have a manager that we adore again, for that to be the day when it kind of stops happening. And the other thing to say is, of course, that your sort of tormentor-in-chief has so often been Hungmin Son, and he is not going to be with us. So that is also very tricky. I do think, you know, we have players like... Kulisevsky, who also seems to thrive against you guys, but without our captain, that 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 is that's almost the only thing that makes me wobble. As yeah. crazy as that sounds, I was I was going to ask about the squad because um, obviously you've been hit with injuries and suspensions this season. Um, I mean, a, a lot of teams have. It's been a weird season for this, but uh, like it, it felt like Spurs were quite badly affected. Like, what's the state of the squad at the moment? Who's going to be available? Yeah, it's almost like having a World Cup in like the middle of winter didn't really help anybody. <laughs> um, <laughs> obviously, some of the um, uh, uh, suspensions are also, you know, self-inflicted. We're doing loads better. A lot of it depends. I mean, obviously, we don't have Sonny. Um, we don't have Saar. He's also Afcon. Basuma away Afcon as well, but his form has not been great anyway. And we've got we've got two big wins. So we've got Mickey van der Ven back. 
and Rodrigo Bentancourt, who are just like, just even like the mention of their names gives every Spurs fan a lift. But compared to them, the person who could potentially be coming back on Friday, if he really is back, I think that will give Spurs fans more belief than anything, and that's James Madison. Yeah, how's he been? He's, he was—he looked like a huge signing at the start of the season. Honestly, like beyond, I think even people who thought they knew what they were getting with James Madison didn't know. It's been—he's the kind of player we've missed since Christian Eriksen just sort of decided he didn't really care about us anymore. Um, <laughs> that was before he actually left. So his, <laughs> his—you know—his skill, his speed, his this vision, his creativity—he is the kind of player you know that all fans love in their team. But I think he's really connected with the fan base as well, and he's the guy who makes everything work. And he's not had the chance to play with Benson Coyer either which is the sort of thing that if you talk to a Spurs fan about, they're like, I, I have to go and have a lie down because it's it's almost too much. Yeah, yeah. Sarah, when it comes to, to City on this game, um, I mean, I'm, I'm interested from from a, a non-City fan's point of view, how, how you feel looking outside in that City art, um, how well equipped they are to, to compete on all fronts this season. Um, because like City have had injuries and City have had you know players suspended and missing and the, there's players coming back at this stage. Um, but I'm wondering if, if if it looks a bit light from the outside. It's I think the thing that the 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 feeling from the outside is it's all coming back together again. I think you know the fact that City are, are in with a chance on on three fronts at least without <clears throat> excuse me Kevin De Bruyne for most of the season and without Erling Haaland for the last six weeks or so. I think the feeling from the outside is oh here we go. You know, they're, they're all coming back. Are we going to see that the sort of slick operation that we saw towards the end of last season? Do I think they're as good as then? Probably not. I think I think, I think think they're, they're, they're certainly lacking Gundogan and Mares in certain situations. Um, but for this game, I'm still, I'm still back in Spurs. I, I love the argument, by the way, that Spurs fans can't have everything. <laughs> <laughs> We're so used to it. <laughs> You've got a really good manager now. She can't beat City as well. Come on. <laughs> we we know ourselves. <laughs> Absolutely, and and you love it as well. I mean, that's part of the part of the thing of being a Spurs fan, isn't it? Loving that that feeling of not ne- being not quite all the time. You know, what would you do if it all ended? I'm not sure. But, oh, um, I'd retire. I'd absolutely be like, oh, we're, we're done. We're done here. <laughs> but I suppose from the outside, there's a feeling of inevitability about City now. And, and I think that might be City's biggest problem going forward is that everyone's going, right, come on then, let's see you. And, you know, on all fronts and, you know, this feeling that Liverpool are sitting there at the top of the Premier League waiting to get hauled back in. And obviously Tottenham are now, are now sitting here waiting for the real City to turn up. I'm not sure there is a real city as good as they were last season, but I still fancy Spurs on Friday night. Absolutely. I think, you know, one cannot question this now. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, kind of written into football folklore, isn't it, at this stage? <laughs> um, Dan, for, from a city point of view, um, the squad overhaul in the summer, as, as Sarah says, has, has left a lot of new players learning key roles, like without Gundogan and without Mares, those sorts of players. Um, and then you know you've you've been missing De Bruyne and, um, and and Haaland for the last few weeks. It it feels like this season could they could have spread themselves a little bit too thin to compete in the way that they did last season, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, I'm certainly not anticipating another treble this year, but if you'd asked me that question in early March last year, I probably wouldn't have fancied then either. So you never know. You never know how it, how it can go. I mean, De Bruyne go, being back is obviously massive, as we saw against Newcastle the other week. But I think if he were to have a, a relapse of that injury, which isn't beyond the realms of possibility, then that puts a very different complexion on things. Haaland's return, I think, could have an equally seismic impact. And I don't think people have really talked that much about how how well we've done without him. I, I, I always thought we could manage, but I think it's been really impressive how we've we've absorbed the impact of losing his goal threat and, and you know, won, what was it, four of our last five league games plus the Club, Club World Cup as well. So I, I expect he'll come back with, with fire in his belly. We won't have Gundogan this year for the running and, you know, I'm, I'm sure we'll really miss his contribution at that point, especially, um, or maybe someone else will step up and... You know, personally speaking, I think I could live without the FA Cup this season if it comes to it. You know, we can't oh, be expected to win the Don't trouble. get me wrong. It, it is going to come to it. It's going to end on Friday <laughs> night. We know this. Yeah. Well, we know that for sure. Yeah. So let's just say we're going for the uh, the, the league and uh, Champions League double <laughs> this year, which, you know, I think we've got it in us to win one of them, at least one of them, uh, but probably not both. And if we do do something in the cup by some miracle, then it's a bonus. But yeah, I, We'll, we'll see how it goes. I think we're in good shape and I think, I wouldn't say it's inevitable personally. I don't feel like that as a City fan, but I feel like there's, um, this is the time of the year when we really start to find our, our gear. Yeah. Um, Rosa for Spurs. Um, looking at, at this game in particular, you talked before about uh, Postacoglu and, and how everybody loves him. Are you, are you expecting the same sort of approach on Friday night as you gave at the Etihad? Are you, are you expecting much of a difference in the in the performance from Spurs? No, they're just going to play the way Postacoglu wants us to play. I don't think, you know, I think the way people talk about him is is a bit mad at times, as if he's some sort of rube that's, that's never managed before and has just kind of tipped up in, in London going, oh, what's this funny game you all play? Like, he's obviously a clever manager um, and he's not naive and he does know how to, like, manage a game sort of in-game. So, there are at points at which we are more defensive, but he is obviously going to go all out to win. Yeah. You know, I mean, aside from anything else, it's, you know, it's a, it's a knockout game. It would be idiotic not to. These these aren't the sorts of games you would want to be more defensive in anyway, I don't think. But also, that is our best chance of beating you guys, just to really go for it. So it makes sense in that way anyway. Yeah. Who's in form at the moment? Who are you, who are you pinning things on um, making this game go right for you? Um. Benton Core, Madison, if he comes back, will be enormous. Richarlison has hit form at exactly the right time because obviously we don't have Sonny. Um, I'm quite excited to see what Timo Werner can do. I know everybody laughs about Timo time and he's never going to score a goal, but I actually think he could cause quite a bit of bother. So, and also Brennan Johnson, I think is so close to actually things really coming together for him his his assists have been great um and he just hasn't quite got the goals yet and then really one of our main men has also been Pedro Porro who you guys obviously foolishly let go yeah yeah um Sarah for City uh Guardiola doesn't often rotate too much for for the FA Cup but I'm wondering given like that just the that the injury side of things and, and and the state the squad's been in I'm wondering if there might be any surprises for you do you think I don't think so, but just because that winter break, it's not really a winter break, is it? It's a faux winter break, um, has created this gap, hasn't it? Which I think probably has has sort of affected his thinking. If we were talking about three or four days after a Premier League game, I think we might have seen changes, but I think we're pretty much going to see a, str- a really strong Man City side and I'd, I'd expect De Bruyne to start on Friday night and um, 
I can't, I don't think he's going to hold back on this. I, I, you know, obviously he likes to have a joke about scoring at Tottenham, but he would absolutely bloody love to be to win this game. I think, you know, and I don't think it's about the FA Cup, but I think it is about sort of knocking that one off. And especially when we look forward with City in the Premier League, probably going to have to go to Anfield and win at some point. You know, it, it's if you can knock off the the Tottenham one, then why not knock off the Liverpool one? I think, I think there is a sort of he will want to change that record and I think he'll go absolutely full strength on Friday night. Yeah, I called it the, the season's most unwinnable game, but I'd not considered that Anfield was the, the season's most <laughs> unwinnable game. So, you know, there's there's two of them there. That's, uh, they're both to come. Um, Dan, City's defence has been a bit shaky this season. Um, are there concerns there with just with Spurs' firepower? I mean, Rosa mentioned Kulisevsky. He's, he, he loves a goal against City anyway. Um, but it feels like there's been points this season where City have given a helping hand to their opponent. Yeah, a bit. And I'm just, at the time of recording, South Korea are losing to uh, Malaysia in the Asian Cup. So maybe Son will be back in time for the game on Friday night <laughs> if he gets a wriggle on as well, which is a bit of a worry. Um, yeah, the defence has been a problem this season. I think it's got a bit better since that defeat at Villa at the start of December. I think, you know, the draw with Palace wasn't really down to bad defending. I thought they defended well in the win at Everton. The two goals at Newcastle were just really good goals the other week. So, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd anticipate a really un- open entertaining game against Spurs at the weekend like we saw at our place um, earlier this season. I thought we could and probably should have won that one. So let's hope if it does come down to a bit of a goal fest that we just have the uh, the edge this time around. Um, but that would require us to score a goal, of course, which is uh, by no means guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. Think of some dynamic teammates who got it done. City have had some great partnerships down the years, whether it's De Bruyne and Haaland, Dunn and Distan or Rosler and Walsh. But what about the perfect teammates when it comes to growing your business? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek skis, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial at shopify.com slash blue moon. That's all in lowercase. Go to shopify.com forward slash blue moon to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. That's shopify.com slash blue moon. You can listen to the show ad free by joining our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Well, we've already talked so much about how bad City's record is at Spurs, uh, but this has been going on for a lot longer than just the last few years, and it was a fixture that fans often dreaded. However, it's a fixture that produced one of City's most remarkable results. By sheer coincidence, it was a replay at this stage of the FA Cup 20 years ago that saw City pull off one of the most unlikely turnarounds, coming from 3-0 down at half-time to win 4-3 with 10 men at White Hart Lane. Over the years on the podcast, we've spoken to the key members of that City team, and I've been digging through the archives to get their memories. 
To understand the scale of City's FA Cup comeback at Spurs in 2004, you have to understand just how dreadful a run of form they'd been on before it. After a promising start, the season had taken a turn, and going into this game, they'd won only one of their last 18, a replay in the previous round. You can imagine then that not many were optimistic ahead of this tie in North London. City fan Dave Masterman was there, and he picked it as one of his matches in his recent episode of The Games That Made Me. My mate Jamie, best mate, has been on my life. I think he must have texted me the week before and just said, do you fancy it? So Wednesday night, I'm in Sheffield at uni, he was back in Manchester, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, alright. <laughs> so we got in the car, and I remember it was pissing it down going down there, his windscreen wiper stopped working, so he kept having to wind down the window to try and wipe the windows clean on the way down. <laughs> safe, it was yeah. a dri- It was a just a horrible Wednesday night, yeah, really safe, yeah, in a car that wasn't great either. But I remember, we had the time of our life going down, singing away to all the Oasis tracks and stuff, or whatever it was, but... It's, it's, just, it's just the maddest game. Dave isn't wrong. It fell to pieces for City in that first half. Thanks to goals from Ledley King, Robbie Keane and Christian Zieger, Spurs were 3-0 up. On top of that, Nicholas Anelka had gone off injured and after the half-time whistle, Joey Barton was shown a second yellow card. The foul on Zieger, when I watch it back, it's, it's probably a foul, but he books me for it. So I'm saying to him, how, how are you booking me? How are you giving me a yellow card for that? Obviously not in as polite a tone as that. And he sent me off. Even to this day, I didn't say anything at the level for him to send me off. We thought long and hard about whether we'd include Barton in this feature, given his recent performances on Twitter. And we'll leave it up to you how much you choose to believe his telling of that bit of the story. But he explains what happened then at the interval. I'd gone into the dressing room at half-time, and uh, Gaffer's having a goal away. And I've just started taking my boots off and, like, launching them. Like, just look, like, obviously not, not happy at all take my top off and like short and all that and he's going whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing I said I've been sent off he said what I said I've been sent off so he's got no clue I've been sent off he sends Derek Fazakli out to go and check comes back in and says yeah he's been sent off in all honesty there can't have been many in that dressing room who even fancied coming out for the second half for the fans in the away end Dave Masterman remembers the feeling being similar there was of course that half time conversation should we go I've got uni in the morning you'll want to get home we're, we're four hours away from getting anywhere near home off the back of this. We can beat the traffic, should we just go? And I think we just said, let's just hold Let's just hold on for the first 10 minutes or whatever. And obviously Distan scored, I think, in the 48th minute. That goal made it 3-1. Shortly after that, Spurs had the chance to kill the game with another Ziga free kick. But a wonderful double save from Arnie Arison kept City in it. Just after the hour mark, Paul Bosfeldt made it 3-2. We spoke to him over the phone back in 2015. It was one of those, those games you, at halftime, you think, uh, can a referee whistle over the end? The message was a little bit from the coach and uh, yeah, also from the players, try to uh, save a bit of skin so it won't be uh, big numbers. I thought it was a little bit uh, a bouncing ball, I took it half folly. I, I didn't take it that well and uh, it, it was reflected and uh, because of that uh, it went in. I think it wasn't uh, the most prettiest goal but at the end uh, it wasn't necessarily. The reaction after that goal, it was uh, picking up the ball quick from the from the goal and, and go on. You feel uh, there's something to get more out of the game. With about 10 minutes left, City pulled level. Sean Wright Phillips got the goal. We also spoke to him over the phone back when he was at QPR. We asked him if he feared he was offside. No matter how many times I watch it, I'm always going to say it's never offside. I just managed to get clear through and I saw the keeper come in and I just thought if I just lift it enough, hopefully... 
it will go in. And I think the way the game was going at the time, after getting back into the game, it just seemed like whatever we did in front of goal at that period of time would have most probably gone in. With extra time looming, City completed the comeback in the 92nd minute, thanks to the first-half substitute, John Macken. We sneaked one or two goals and then... The third one came and you think, right, can you go and do anything? I just remember the ball coming across and thinking, right, get your head on this, John, and see what, see what happens. And just thankfully, it went in and, you know, there was no extra time to be played because I think if, if that would have come around, I think we would have quite, well, we would have probably lost the game. Now, at half-time, surely you were thinking this is this is damage limitation? Well, you do. I mean, you're 3-0 down, like you say, you just had a man sent off. You're thinking to yourself, right, OK, just go out and try and have a little bit of pride, try and stop them scoring, you know, six or seven and... Just try and keep it fairly respectable and, you know, like I say, you get your first one and you think, right, OK, then hold on now, 3-1's not a bad result. And you get the second, you think, right, OK, you know, this is it. And you certainly when you get your third, you think, right, come on, then your momentum's with you. You think, right, go on, push on, let's see what we can do. You just go out and you just try and have a little bit of pride and you just try and give a half-decent performance and, you know, keep the score respectable. And, uh, unfortunately, we went out and we did a little bit more than that. The former City player Michael Brown played for Spurs that evening. He explains what it was like to be on the receiving end of that remarkable comeback. They started on the front foot, we come out slightly sloppy and it, it was 3-1 quite quickly and I think it just it snowballed and you knew, you, you knew it was coming but you couldn't do anything about it. It was like, it was just... And, you know, how do you change it in the middle of the game to stop it happening? And Joey Barton told us how the comeback affected him. I remember sitting in the place and I'm sure I was with Jamie Redknapp. I'm sure I was talking to Jamie Redknapp. He'd, he'd been left out there squad. By the time I'd sat down, it's 3-1. I'm like, all right, come on, mate. Make it, make it respectable. I'm getting fined at 3-0. thinking that's two weeks wages at least. 3-1, I'm like, I'm still getting fined. 3-2, I'm like, might only be a week's wages here. Might take the edge off Keegan's so half. 3-3, I'm like... Might even be a fineness, and then obviously four three up, and I ne- you never find me. It got lost in the pandemonium of the game. More importantly, though, it made the journey back north for Dave Masterman and his best mate Jamie much, much, much easier. We had the windows down, blaring out Oasis coming out of, <laughs> May- coming out of White Hart Lane at ten o'clock at night, and I'm thinking. I wouldn't risk that now because you could just run the risk of getting absolutely battered. I remember just sat there in the stadium thinking, this is this can't be real. This this can't actually be happening because there was just so much riding against us that game, even the even down to the fact we're playing with ten men at 3-0 down for crying out loud. You should never win a game of football. 10 men 3-0 down with 45 minutes to go and actually do you know what I, I, I think if anyone ever asked me that's the one I'm almost proudest to say I was at because people go what you were there at that abs-? and non-City fans remember that game weirdly if you chat to anyone yeah that's how much it's cut through yeah yeah people got to remember that happening thinking how the fuck have they done that like it's a game that seems to have stuck in the fabric of football not just in the fabric of City which always is probably a good indicator of how mad a game it is that game is still held up as one of the most iconic FA Cup ties that there's ever been as City prepare to go to Spurs again for the fourth round 20 years later let's hope that it doesn't take a miracle on the same sort of scale to get into the hat for the fifth round draw on Monday Hi, I'm John Macken and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. Get involved with the debate on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast.
That was a look back at the 4-3 win at White Hart Lane in uh, 2004. Um, Dan, like, what do you remember about that game and, and kind of your experience of it? Because the Keegan era by this stage was beginning to peter out a little bit. There, there was a relegation mm. battle on the cards. The form going into it was awful. And I mean, like 3-0 down at half-time, you just write it <laughs> off, don't you? Yeah, well, I remember going to my granddad's with my dad to watch the game and at half-time my dad saying, this is over, isn't it? Shall we go home? And I was in the middle of revising for my GCSEs at the time and was thinking, if we go home, I'll have to get stuck into the book. So I was like, no, <laughs> can we just stay for the second half? And uh, yeah, what a master masterstroke that proved to be. And I remember thinking like something mad was going to happen when Distan got that goal back right at the start of the second half and then like Bosvelt scored and it was like, oh, this is on. The Sean Wright Phillips goal for the th- the third goal that was definitely offside. By yeah, the way, yeah, absolutely um, offside. It's a mile offside. So good, yeah, good good job. There was no VAR in in, the, in those days, and of course we had uh, the great Arnie Arison in goal, uh, keeping us in it as well. And then I remember thinking when we got it back to three three, like wouldn't it just be typical City to do that and then still lose an extra time or, or on penalties? <laughs> like with ten men, I don't think if we'd gone to extra time, it like it would have done us in, wouldn't it? We we wouldn't have uh, probably probably made it out alive. So um, thank fuck John Macken got his head on that cross and um, what an unbelievable <laughs> header it was. Yeah, yeah, Rosa, I'm very sorry to put you through this, but uh, what do you remember of it? Do you know what is so funny that you talk about it now? Because literally just this morning, um, my partner and I, my partner's also a Spurs fan, and we've just because we just like to re-traumatize ourselves. I don't really know why. It's the Spurs um, experience, we, isn't it? That's it really what you is. Do, yeah. You just you just kind of like live within it, embrace it. Otherwise, there's no point. And we were just thinking. If that team had like Michael Brown in midfield and held a Postiga up front, you know, it doesn't really at the time, obviously calamitous, humiliating, hilarious, all of those things. But now I sort of look back and think that was very much what my father likes to call the nadir. And I feel like from then on, you know, we haven't really looked back. It's been sort of slow and steady progress from that extremely low point. Yeah. Sarah, how much did this game cut through away from City folklore? Where does it rank for you in kind of iconic FA Cup moments? (laughs) You're in your little bubble, David. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, which game is this that you're talking about? <laughs> Excellent, Sarah. I love to hear it. Doesn't exist. Didn't happen. <laughs> oh, no, I'm not having that at all. I'm not having that at all. <laughs> the less said about the dickhead who got sent off at halftime, the better, by the way. Well, quite, yeah. Um, he's. Yeah. I did. I, I must apologise for people. I did put him in the feature, um, but I uh, I did think long and hard about whether we should. Um, but uh, he was he was talking about the game and not any other views that he has. Um, Dan, did you did you do all right in your GCSEs in the end? Uh, not too bad, yeah, not yeah. too bad. So yeah, it all worked out okay in the end. Good. Except good. City went out of out of the cup in the next round to United and uh, nearly got relegated, but didn't get relegated. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, all good. And they they, they I, I think I genuinely think actually this result gave a shot in the arm to that to that season because they'd gone one win in eighteen uh, before it, uh, and I mean it was only th- like four wins in the two, remainder. Two of the wins season. in the next yeah. thirteen, it was. I looked <laughs> yeah. it up. So, <laughs> but bit it was of a pinprick in the arm, maybe. Yeah. But at the same time, it kept them up. So you know, who knows? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, there Rosa, you go. You're welcome. You're very yeah. welcome, guys. <laughs> Rosa, before we let you go. Uh, we got the charity bet a bit later on. Um, let's have a score prediction for Friday's game from you. All right. I'm going to go with 2-0. Let's do this. 2-0 to Spurs. Just to clarify. 2-0 yeah, <laughs> Spurs. Uh, lovely stuff. Um, Rosa, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Rosa from the Hometown Glory podcast. Thank you so much, guys. Right, so we'll get the rest of our predictions a bit later on, but first let's get some thoughts about the other game before next week's show. City host Burnley next Wednesday evening. To find out what's been going wrong at Turf Moor this season, I've been speaking to Joe from the Turfcast podcast. We've not been great this season, let's be honest. 
uh, in the bottom three, staring down the barrel of a uh, second relegation in three years from the Prem. Uh, it's not looking good currently. You know, I think we're, we're, we're five points away from Everton uh, and, you know, further eight points away from the likes of Forest. And every, every time a team seems to be like, on the cusp of being caught, not necessarily because of us, but because of how bad they've, they've been more than anything, they pull away. Brentford, you know, they've lost about 15 games in a row. All of a sudden, Avantoni comes back. They win 3-2 and it was like, ah, we're not going to catch them. It was the same with Forest. It was the same with Bournemouth. They turned into Real Madrid earlier in the season. Um, but yeah, it, it, it's not looking great. It's looking like another uh, another relegation. And uh, the only way that we can stop up is if there's some more points deductions dicked out, uh, dished out. Sorry, because Everton are potentially getting another another 10. Forest have been looking at, at, at potentially 10 as well. Like Whether or not that happens... Um, it is another thing but that shows how bad we've been this season. If if we're looking at teams and hoping they get points deductions, to, the, the only way to save is because th- there's just no other way. There's just no other way that we stay up, in my opinion. Yeah, what's what's been the issue? I mean, because obviously last season with uh, the, the company connection with City was quite strong, and you uh, yeah. you know a lot of City fans watched uh, Burnley last season and were really impressed in the Championship. Has it just not translated to the Premier League? Yeah, it's just not translated and there's been a lot of mistakes made by management, uh, including company and Bellamy. Uh, They've made some mistakes in my opinion, there's been some mistakes on the pitch, there's been some mistakes at boardroom level. Uh, And I know Burnley have been in the Premier League and are probably seen by a lot of teams as not not, potentially not an established Premier League club, um, just because of the size of the club more than anything. Um, but but a Premier League club nonetheless, because um, the fact, like I said, we've been in the Premier League eight out of the last ten years. A lot of people might argue that in them eight years we've punched above our weight. Um, but my point I'm trying to make is, yes, we, we may have been in the Premier League quite a lot over the last ten years, but this current Burnley hasn't. Like we've changed the management, obviously, and he's a young manager. I think he's only a year older than me. His company. Uh, and there's no way I could manage a Premier League football team. I can barely manage myself. Makes you feel awful when that happens. <laughs> it, it? <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Um, so, yeah, he's made mistakes. Don't get me wrong, he has. Um, but so have the players and, and so is the chairman. So, yeah, take the medicine, go back down, win the championship again next season, probably. Um, my only worry about the championship next season is there's four good teams in there currently. Only three of them come up. So um, we're going to be stuck in there with another decent side. Uh, and potentially Sheffield United could end up being decent as well because uh, they're coming down with us. And Luton as well. Let's not discredit them. They are the best of the three that, <laughs> that, that's, that's come up. It's just I feel like Luton's style of play won't translate well to the championship next season. But that's a different debate. But yeah, there's been a lot of mistakes made by a lot of people at the club this season. Yeah, in terms of um, kind of fans and, and the feeling around the club, um, how is it towards company? Because the, the, the he obviously has a lot of credit in the bank from last season. Is is that starting to run out at this stage? A little, a little, um, and I say that with clear angst in my voice because I'm not happy or proud to say it, but there has been a vocal minority on Twitter that are now saying like we, we, we should we should get rid of it. It's kind of gone full circle with some of them because a lot of them about 10 games ago, we're saying, we need to get rid of him. The only chance we're going to stay up now is, is if we get rid of him. But now, because we, even if we got rid of him now, the gap's so big, we, we probably are going to go down. So a lot of them have kind of gone full circle and gone, well, what's the point? Might as well stick with him for next season. But for me, I always was in the stick with him for next season. He's got enough credit in the bank, even though he made mistakes. Because he is a young manager and I don't want to be one of these fans that sits in and tours the party line for the football club. But I do like what they're trying to say with the five-year sort of plan sort of thing. And if we get rid of company now and say, for example, we brought in Chris Wilder when he was available, because that's what a lot of people were saying, believe it or not. 
Um, that's just just a backward step. And then Wilder's got a shelf life of, what, 18 months or 24 years, and then you're back to square one. So stick with company, stick building young talent, and and hopefully have another really good year last year. I don't want to be one of these fans that's sitting here like, you know, the mask on his face, trying to hide the tears. But the championship is incredibly entertaining and I am already looking forward to next season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is, there's something to be said about winning more games as well. That's the that's the other side of it. I remember that, you know, the years City yeah. would go down and, um, you know, we, we had an awful 2000-2001 season. And the next season was great because, you know, just winning games again was was a lot more fun. Um, in terms of in terms of company style, um, there's, there's obviously a lot been made about the shift that he made in Burnley um are fans kind of a lot more on board with with that style of play now given kind of the success it had last season okay it's not done so well this season but there are foundations there for it to improve for future years yeah I mean there is that I do think there's a lot of short short sightedness from football fans um I feel like Burnley fans do it more than most um but that's probably more uh uh a representation of the people of the town rather than rather than the fan itself. Um, but I, I, I am one of them that is, you know, let's keep playing this style of player. The longer we play it, the more the players will get used to it. And hopefully we stop bringing in loads of players in each transfer window and help these players get used to it. So we can, like you say, kick on uh, and improve for the future and, and have this style of play all the way through the club as it is now. And then and then kick on and then, and then play in a certain style because... Burnley were like a running joke in the Premier League over the last few years. Like not not because of themselves, but because of the style of play. Like it'd be a joke that you'd go to Burnley. I think Pep Guardiola said it himself on on the on one of the City documentaries that it's like going to the dentist. It yeah. needs to be done. You've got to pull your teeth out. Just get it done. You will feel better after it. And that was the joke. And and I didn't particularly like that. If I'm being honest with you, a lot of fans used to used to revel in it. Used to love it. And don't get me wrong. Say like if we'd go to Arsenal or Liverpool or Man United and win there like we have done at all of them places. The Etihad's the only place we haven't. Um, and it would feel so good to see their fans in such a bad mood about losing to a team like that and, you know, all the tears on Twitter. That was the only satisfactory part of it. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the fact that people see us in a different light now. And I think that's what Chairman Alan Pace wanted to do. He wanted it to be kind of like a glorious underdog story uh, and it just wasn't that even though Burnley let's not forget finished 7th in the Premier League and got into Europe alright we got a ridiculous draw and got knocked out before the, the, the Europa League actually even started but I think Wolves did it a year after us they finished 7th and the media was just all over it was buzzing for them same this year with Brighton Burnley did that five years ago there was no fanfare for Burnley doing it and that's just because Burnley was seen as this negative little club that nobody really wants in the Prem because of the style of play. Whereas now, you know, you've got an up-and-coming manager, up-and-coming talent. We've got a bit of stick this season because of how poor we've been. But if but if we were 10th, 11th, something like that now, playing in our style, the media will be loving us like they were last year. Um, and the perception changed and the perception will continue to change if we keep doing it the way we're doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in terms of uh, the game, then you mentioned the Etihad and um, you know the, uh, the the place being difficult to come to. Um, I guess it's not. Uh, yeah, I guess it's not a, <laughs> uh, a a fixture you're particularly relishing. But at this stage, like you say, I mean, if you if you're feeling that uh, that the the writing's on the wall already for the season, um, is it kind of one of those games? What have you got to lose at this stage? I mean, the only thing we can lose is another absolute smashing. Um, and, but it's 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 a running joke in Burnley that, you know, we hate playing Man City because you smash us every single time. 
And I've just pulled up the head-to-head now. And Burnley haven't beaten Man City since 2015. Um, and it's not like we don't play you. We played you pretty much every single year since then. Because even last year when we were relegated, we obviously played you in the FA Cup quarterfinals, <laughs> where again you smashed us 6-0. But yeah, it's, it's a running joke in Burnley that City always beat us 5 or 6-0. Uh, and, it, and it is, I'm just looking at, at the head-to-head now, like I said, you've got a 6-0 there, 5-0 there, 5-0 there, two 5-0 back-to-backs, I remember that, in, in the same season, one in the Prem, one in the FA Cup. My worry is, um, and I, I, I actually went to the quarter-final last year, I, I always go to the Etihad, to be fair, I don't know why I said it like that, I don't know why, I always do it to myself, but I do. Obviously, it's only a half an hour drive, you might as well. Um, and I remember going last year, like, right, we're playing in a different style now. We're not just going to sit back like Sean Dyche wanted to and invite all the pressure. And then City will just ping it in the top corner from 30 yards like Mares used to always do. We're going to have a go at them. And we, we, I reckon we might, you know, upset a few, uh, you know, upset a few of the, you know, ruffle a few feathers, I'm trying to say, and, and you know, put the cat amongst the pigeons and, and, and get at City. And maybe, just maybe, you know, cause an upset. Obviously, it ended up finishing 6-0, which was even worse. You know, the worst result <laughs> we've had against you since the early 2000s. But in the first 20 minutes... I remember there was one point, <clears throat> there was one point where we were pressing you and pressing you really well and playing it around quite well, and Harlem were getting really, really, really frustrated, like really frustrated, shouting at some of the wingers and stuff. And I'm like, we might do this, you know, we might do this. Uh, and then, obviously, like I said, the rest is history. You won comfortably, scored a couple of goals. I think it was just before half time that set the tone for the the second half. But yeah, it, it's a running joke in Burnley that you know every every time it's the FA Cup, we're like, oh, let's not get City. It'll be another five nil. It, it's just always a defeat, a comfortable defeat. Even at the start of this season at the turf, everyone's buzzing. The first game back in the Premier League, yes, it's City. We'll probably get beat, but let's just show a good account of ourselves. I think we're one 0 down in five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's always City. But even before you were like you know this rich best football club in the world, City used to always get a lot of joy against us, and it's it's just been a thing. I remember. The year you came down into the second division, obviously we'd been in there quite a while at that point. Well, League One, as it's called now, um, and you beat us four two at the turf that year. Um, yeah. I remember it well because <laughs> I, I think you scored first, then we equalised, then you scored again, then we equalised, and then you scored. You just kept scoring, um, and I remember you beating us five one at Main Road once, or was it five nil? Um, so yeah, it, it's not a game that Burnley fans look forward to. Is City, but. Yeah, it's 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 one of them. It's just a case of getting it out of the way now. There's not even any, oh, maybe, just maybe. It's just get it out of the way. Don't embarrass yourself. Take a 3-0 defeat if you have to, and then and then on to Fulham. Yeah, it's like going to the dentist in many ways. <laughs> it is, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it yeah. really is. Um, let's let's say the uh, the remarkable happens then, and uh, Burnley get their result at the Etihad this week. Um, uh, how's it going to happen? Who, who are the players that'll do it? Uh, well, Lyle Foster's our main source of goals. Uh, he is a South African forward who's done well this season. He obviously had some mental health struggles during the season, which has meant that he hasn't gone to AFCON, even though he is probably their best player. There's been a bit of a club versus country row on the socials and a few digs from the South African manager. Uh, but he's still here um, and he is hopefully better because um, he has been playing recently. He's come out the other side of the mental health struggles now, but you never know when something like that could rear its head again. Uh, so fingers crossed he's there. Um, and then you've got uh, Wilson Orderbear on the left wing. Um, he is uh, a young, uh, obviously, winger um, who is playing in um, the absence of Luca Corley-Oshaw, who was also brilliant, but he's out for the rest of the season. Uh, and we do have these youngsters that are coming through, like I said, that we've signed for some a lot of money, some not so much money. Um, who will who will try and make things happen? Who will try and get at you? Um, but 
uh, again, even even with both of them, I, I can't see too much. But they're, they're the main two. Um, Odebear on the left, making things happen, running at your defenders. And he will he will run at your defenders. Not sure how much joy he'll get against uh, City. I, I do think he will get a bit of joy. Um, but we'll, we'll see. And then and then Lyle Foster putting the, putting the ball in the net, hopefully. Yeah. Um, let's. Uh, we we got a charity back coming up a bit later on, Joe. Let's have uh, a score prediction for this game for you. I'd like to give it over to the guests. So uh, over to you. <laughs> Um, I, I, just, I want to stop short of saying five nil, um, even though it's <laughs> probably going to be something along them lines. Um, but for the sake of your charity bet, uh, instead of you know being a plucker, oh you know we might only lose two one. You will probably smash us. You always smash us. Uh, hopefully, we give a better account of ourselves than we did last season in the FA Cup. So I'm going to go four one to City. You see stats pop up all the time about clubs and players, and you want to know that exact thing about City. There's an answer. StatCity.co.uk Want to find out all of the players who played alongside club legends like David Silva, Sergio Aguero or Vincent Company? Or maybe you'd like to know which team found it hardest to score past Joe Hart. You can find out City's record in every competition, at every stadium, and under every manager. Just go to statcity.co.uk and browse away. That's statcity.co.uk. If you enjoy the show, please give it a rating and a review wherever you get your podcasts. That was Joe from Turfcast. Um, Sarah, City love a game against Burnley, especially at home. Uh, I, I, I fell into a bit of a rabbit hole with the stats on this one um, because uh, Burnley have never won at the Etihad. Uh, their last win away to City in the league was in 1963. Uh, they've been to City 23 times in the league and Cup since then. Uh, they did win the Charity Shield at Main Road against City in 1973. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, we'll leave it up to listeners to decide whether that's a competitive game or not, especially as City entered it as just reigning charity shield holders and not anything else. So it, it was in the time when um, the, the champions of England and the FA Cup winners were going, actually, you know what? We're not going to play in this this year. We'll, we'll give it to someone else. And the FA just invited other teams. Um, so Burnley were in it as second division champions. City City were in it as reigning champions of the, uh, of the charity shield. And uh, that was the last one before it moved to Wembley in 1974. So all being, all things, all things considered, uh, City should be all right on Wednesday, shouldn't they? I was going to say, I think everybody loves playing Burnley at home this season. Never mind. City. <laughs> but, I mean, I think you know this is the this is one of those games that if you don't, you know, you're expecting three, four, five, aren't you? I mean, I think absolute piece of cake. Uh, Burnley are, are not are not a Premier League side in in any in any way, shape, or form this season. Really, really poor from them. Very disappointing from the outside. I must say, and and City should walk all over them. I can't, I can't see anything other than that in this one. Yeah, Dan. Um, when I when I talk about the Community Shield in such ways, um, the other thing I discovered oddly, aside from the Millennium Stadium years, uh, since 1972, City have played in every single one of the Community Shields, not at Wembley. Uh, Villa Park, oh, really? yeah, Villa Park 72 and 2012, Main Road 73, and the King Power in uh, 2022. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, quite fascinating. Yeah, maybe that's why we keep losing in it because uh, we love a bit a bit of uh, Wembley. Action, yeah. don't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of this game on Wednesday, you would think, wouldn't you, that Burnley's style is the sort that Guardiola wants to face? 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've we've faced much more resolute Burnley sides over the years and, and wiped the floor with them. So I, I would be really surprised if we didn't win this quite comfortably. I think, you know, Vinny's stuck to his guns with with how he wants them to play this season, rightly or wrongly. And, you know, I think it's fair to say there's probably a bit of naivety to that and it could see them back in the championship pretty sharpish if they're not careful. You know, I remember opening game of the season this year thinking, oh, this will be a tough game. You know, Burnley have come up from the championship, winning the sales and all that. And it was really comfortable, wasn't it? And that's that's kind of been the theme of Burnley's season for the most part. I think they've just been too easy to play against, um, too naive. And it's been a while now since I've heard anyone tout company as the next City manager as well. So <laughs> I don't think they're going to be try and get behind the ball when they come to our place. I think they're going to, you know, come at us a little bit. And I think company, you know, company's too proud to, to park the bus. And I think if they do have a go at us, even if they were to go one nil up, I'd back us to come back and beat them. Yeah, Sarah, do you see the bigger picture with Burnley though in that in that regard? Because like if the like if they're working towards a style change and the the way that company wants to play, um, like it, it is an influence. It is the way the league is going, isn't it? It's the way that teams tend to play these days. It is, but it's incredibly naive to think that you can play that way in the championship and then come up and play exactly the same way. You know, the Premier League has been littered in the last few years with with teams who've. who've played possession football in the championship and then come up and realised you, you absolutely can't do it with with the quality of players that you've got. You know, and it, I know it's, it's I know quite a lot of Burnley fans because I live in the area and, and they're generally a, a quite pro company and believing this sort of four or five year plan thing. But I don't see how this works any better the next time they come up unless they come up with significantly better players. Like you say, we're talking about Man City's um, record against Burnley, but, you know, the Burnley of three, four years ago is completely different, isn't it, from this one? And actually, you'd have probably preferred to play this one than that one because, you know, they aren't going to sit behind the ball. They aren't going to make it really difficult for City by by making it all very compact and playing with a really, really low block. They're going to basically try and play you at being City and they're going to get absolutely blown away. And so I think, yeah, it's funny what you said about because everyone's sort of looked at company, didn't they, and said, oh, the biggest danger to Burnley is if, you know, if, if company gets taken by another club, now it's like, mm, how long will they stick with him? Because yeah. it's com- been completely different from what we expected this season. You know, to be to be to be worse than Luton, I think that 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 is really damning, <laughs> you know, you know, Luton are much harder to play against them than Brighton because they they do. They are a lot more fit. So than than Burnley because they are a lot more physical and a lot more direct and this Burnley side wants to play a pretty style of football. It just isn't suited to the standard of player they've got, unfortunately. And it has been a, it's one of the been one of the, been one of the real disappointments of the season, I think. And probably for a lot of City fans as well who 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 quite liked the idea of this sort of city light coming up and, and unfortunately they're nowhere near. Yeah, Dan. It's it's funny that long line of of managers that were going to be taking over at City just just grows and grows. Because I, I I remember back in the day when it was Vieira, and then uh, yeah. you know he, he disappeared off the scene. And then you, I mean you start the Guardiola era with uh, well he's he's grooming Arteta to to be the one to take over from him, and the, like there's no chance that happens now. And Arteta's doing well <laughs> at Arsenal, but he like he isn't switching Arsenal for for the Etihad, is he? Um, and then I doubt you get it. To, yeah. And you get to company in Burnley, and it's just it just doesn't seem to be going too well. Enzo Moresca, maybe he's the next one. Um, he's doing really well with Leicester, isn't he? But I mean, again, the, the pattern could just continue there. He does really well with Leicester. He's like the, the Leicester. I saw a video of a Leicester goal scored uh, a couple of weeks ago, um, and I tweeted it and was just like, "This is this is a, a City goal. This is this is mm. has the, all the hallmarks of how City play." Um, and just as Sarah saying, he could quite easily bring Leicester back up, and and then the same sort mm. of thing happens. Yeah. yeah. Well, Pep's never leaving anyway, so don't worry about it. 
Oh yeah, he's never, <laughs> never scored at Spurs, has he? So that yeah. I think you know, if I, if I was a betting woman, I'd, I'd be I'd be saying Deserby was the most obvious choice. To be honest, yeah. I, I think I think looking amongst sort of City alumni, I think that's kind of gone wrong, hasn't it? And 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 like you said, you've seen seen company really falter at Burnley, and we'd have to see Maresca's Leicester in in the Premier League to see if they can fare any better. But I think when they come to to replace Guardiola, should he should he ever? ever walk away I'm sure he won't I'm sure you've just got him forever now <laughs> uh, but it, should he ever walk away I think I think Deserve is probably the most obvious obvious uh, candidate for that role yeah um we mentioned De Bruyne and Haaland uh with the Spurs game Dan um does their involvement in this one do you think does it depend on how much they play against Spurs just given how quick the turnaround is and again I mean being brutally honest the quality of the opposition yeah probably yeah, Sarah said earlier that De Bruyne might start against Spurs. I I wouldn't be surprised if he did, um, but I could imagine him being on the bench and then maybe starting against Burnley instead. But that'd be his first start since the opening day against Burnley, wouldn't it as well? Um, yeah, Harland, I'd fancy him to be on the bench against Spurs as well, and then um, probably start against Burnley. I hope Oscar Bob gets a run out, you know, from the start in one of these games as well. I think he really deserves it after his heroics in the last game. So would that's you, um, mean, someone I'm definitely open to seeing the starting lineup. Would you consider it for the FA Cup, given the yeah, impact, I would. I'd yeah. put him in. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say, given the impact that he had at Newcastle, but also given the the way City have have just kind of played at Spurs recently, or is that is that kind of getting into the realm of, of Guardiola overthink? Well, it depends on it. Where if he plays. Bob on the right, because I think it's the Spurs game's a game for Grealish over Doku, really. I think we're going to need someone who can control it and hold the ball up and all that kind of thing that Grealish does. So maybe Grealish left, Oscar Bob on the right would, would be an option. Um, be interesting to see. And yeah, I mean, I, th- I kind of think Rodri should probably get a rest in one of these games as well, but Guardiola just doesn't seem to do that, does he? So he's yeah. just going to probably play it, flog him to death till the end of the season now. <laughs> yeah, it's the way it works. Uh, Sarah, um, Oscar Bob, in terms of uh, his involvement, um, he's an interesting one to see come through at City because like, when it comes to youth players and, and, and minutes that they get, quite often you know, at, at this stage of the season, they start to disappear and they start to, mm. to, to not really be too involved as the, as the important games start to pile up. Um, is he one, in, in a similar sort of way with Foden, is he one that could, could make a little bit more of an impact that you, than, than others have in the past, do you think? I think so. I, mean, I suppose. I suppose everyone's going to going to talk about Cole Palmer, aren't they? When they talk about Oscar Bob, is that you know is the same thing going to happen to him that he's going to get a little taste and then he's going to find that the wall comes up? And like you said, this is exactly when that tends to happen. You know, you you, you sometimes see smatterings of these players, don't you, in October and November? And but then when it gets serious, when it gets to January, they they do tend to fade back into the background and, and back onto the bench and stay there. It'd be really interesting. I really like the look of of Bob. I think. I don't know why I said Bob because he he has to be Oscar Bob, doesn't he? Yeah, he's got a silly name. <laughs> he's an absolute full name player, isn't yeah. he? And, you know, it just seems Oscar Bob, Bob, Bob. Him Bob. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's, it's, he's Oscar Bob. He's definitely Oscar Bob. Um, but we really, I really like the look of him. Really do, and, and would love to see a bit more of him and, and see if he can sort of stick around. Maybe because, like you said, the city have lost Mares and have lost Gundogan, and there doesn't seem, you know, there's not that a great deal of faith being shown is there in 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 Nunes and in in Kovacic to a certain extent maybe we will see those those younger players stick around a bit longer so we might see a bit more of Rico Lewis than we have done in in previous years and and definitely a bit more of Oscar Bob really interesting to see him if he starts against Spurs actually I think that'll give us an indication of, of where he is in the standing 
because I do think Pep will love to win this game. I don't like I said, I don't think it's about the FA Cup. I think it's about that bad run. So if he wants to, if he's desperate to win that game and still plays Oscar Bob, I think that that's a massive tick against his name. Yeah, uh, Dan, you you raised his name to the tune of uh, feeling hot, hot, hot. Um, mm. Can I raise it to the tune of Baby Shark? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Permission denied. Permission denied, fine. Okay, um, let's get some predictions on the board. We are on £690 for the charity bet so far this season, and it's time to see if we can add to that with the next two games. Uh, William Hill is giving us three £10 correct score singles. The winnings are going to the Man City Fans Food Bank Support Group. They're helping the Trussell Trust fight poverty in Manchester. Uh, we heard earlier on that Rosa has gone for a 2-0 Spurs win on Friday night. That's 33-1 to and £330 if she is right. Dan, what are you having for this? I'm going to go for a 2-1 win for City, bizarrely. Yeah, madness. No, no, never coming in. Don't know why you've done that. 8-1, uh, to one, though, if you're right. 80 quid, which feels vastly underpriced, if I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, Sarah, what are you having for Spurs? I mean, that is ludicrous that those are shorter odds than the 2-0, aren't they, considering yeah. <laughs> what we've just talked about. But it's, I mean, I've taken 1-0 Tottenham because it's going to be 1-0 Tottenham and it always is 1-0 <laughs> I don't know why you were having this discussion. Yeah, that's that, that, the food that, bank can thank me kindly. Yeah, that is remarkably <laughs> eighteen to one, uh, one hundred eighty quid if you're right. So like, <laughs> I know it feels like a license to print money, doesn't it? I don't really understand. Um, <laughs> you are now responsible for me going back into gambling because that is. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, that brings us to Burnley, and uh, we heard Joe go for a four-one City win. That's fourteen to one and one hundred and forty pounds. Uh, Sarah, what have you got for Burnley? Four uh, 0 can't see Burnley scoring. Four nil is uh, seven to one and seventy pounds. If you're right, Dan. Five nil for me. Five nil is twelve to one and one hundred and twenty pounds. Uh, remember, you've got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change, and please gamble responsibly. For information on how to gamble responsibly, take a look at begambleaware.org. Uh, we will finish with uh, a few news lines uh, this week. Um, we start with uh, the news that Omar Barada has left his position as City's Chief Football Operations Officer uh, to become United's new Chief Executive. Um, Sarah, I'll start with you because like, it feels like we're through the looking glass here in a world where we have to care about what the execs are doing. <laughs> there was a time you wouldn't have had a clue who was on the board, would you, and, and beyond the manager and possibly the owner, but you, you wouldn't have been able to name the operations officer or the CEO or whoever, but now it, it really has become part of it. And, you know, from the outside, a, a, a big old grown-up move from Man United for once, which is which is quite refreshing um, and, and quite flattering, I suppose, to City that they've taken their sort of, what, third or fourth most, you know, important executive to make him probably the main man at United. And um, by all accounts, I think City have kind of waved him off and said, you know, do you know what? Fair play. I think, you know, he, he clearly had, um, he's clearly had, has blocks to take in that role at City quite rightly and is probably third choice there. So, you know, if we think about it in football terms, you know, you've just lost your sort of third choice right back to Man United and you'd take that, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, especially with City's fullbacks. I mean, there's only three of them in total, isn't there? So, it's there. Um, Dan, is there any, are there any from your side of things, is there any fears about him taking City's business model to Old Trafford and making United competent again? Well, what a Judas to start with, by the way. I'm really, really <laughs> upset about this one. You, you mentioned you, you mentioned some names at the top of the show. Who was it? Tony Coton, Freddie Vasselli. Remember that one? Yeah. yeah. Uh, um, Win Davis. Yeah. yeah. Billy Meredith. I'll, I'm still bitter about Alan Keegan leaving City to be there to go and be their announcer in the 90s. Oh God, um, I'd forgotten so, about that. 
that's how that's how much I hate United. So I shared a lift with him at university once, um, and uh, I, I I remember going up in the lift with him and um, looking like going, "I know you, I know you," and he like he'd said a, he'd said hello and stuff, and and um, like asked what floor you going to, all that sort of thing. And I was like, "I know that voice, and where do I know that voice from?" Must be must be something to do with the radio. <laughs> then he got out the lift and. Um, uh, someone went, oh, Alan, like this. And it was at that point I realised as the lift door closed <laughs> that I'd uh, just shared a lift with Alan Keegan. Yeah. You missed your chance to tell him what you really thought about him. Yeah, yeah that was after he'd left <laughs> as well, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was um, I was vaguely aware of Barada and you know the kind of good work he'd done before the news on Saturday, and I'm sure he'll be a loss to the organisation. I would back City to thrive without him, so you know I'm not that upset. I suppose it depends how the old 115 charges works out, of course. And normally in this situation, I'd probably wish someone of his stature well, but I certainly won't be doing that on this occasion. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I suppose United getting a competent executive is more annoying than City losing one. But ever since this Jim Ratcliffe first sort of expressed an interest in investing in them, I've, I've, I've thought they were on the path to finally getting the shit together, unfortunately. And I never imagined their downfall was going to be a permanent one. So I suppose we've just got to enjoy it as much as we can for as long as it lasts. Yeah. Um, Sarah, Dan mentioned the charges there. I mean, that is the big elephant in the room here. Mm. Um, Is there anything to read into the fact that, I mean, surely he would be implicated in any guilt if it's established by the independent panel. So is there anything to read into this move or is it just a case of United probably don't care? Well, he's he's one of of the few who weren't mentioned in the the Spiegel stuff, the original stuff. So the the word from Man United is they've done their due diligence and they're quite sure that he won't be implicated. But we've you know we've seen previously, I think particularly with Paratici at Spurs, that you know you you, you can end up suffering because of, because of what somebody's done at a previous club. I can't imagine Man United doing this unless they were pretty certain that he wasn't going to be heavily implicated in it in whatever comes out. And you know, and to go back to what Dan's saying, you know, I think Man United are a bit of a basket case, and this will not change that overnight well i think you know we, we i personally from my point of view don't see a man united title challenge for another 10 years at least i think it'll take a hell of a lot of fixing so i think city can rest easy you know and you've got pep guardiola for the next 25 years so what do you <laughs> do yeah city can be relegated and, and climb their way back through the leagues before united uh Absolutely. get themselves back to back into shape <laughs> yeah um just while we're on the charges as well steve o'brien's been in touch on the emails to say uh, we are now because of everton and forest back in the spotlight over potential penalties being handed down and even though we know a trial date is set do you think there is the possibility that the premier league's lawyers will throw in the towel and find it unprosecutable is there a danger that if that happens or even if the panel don't find city guilty everyone will simply view it as a whitewash anyway um sarah what's the, what's the kind of feeling for you on on this because it, it feels it feels very much as a city fan everyone just thinks city are guilty anyway so like whatever is found or whatever happens now it doesn't really matter it absolutely doesn't matter that that made me laugh about the whitewash there yada 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 as far as anyone outside man city is concerned and certainly amongst amongst what you would call your rivals you know liverpool man united in particular you're, you're guilty anyway it kind of doesn't matter what the final um, result is of this. Is you know, if if you if you're found not guilty, it'll be a it'll be a whitewash. If you found that it's it it can't be prosecuted, it's a whitewash. You know, you, you're the, you're the post office at this point. You know, there's no <laughs> there's no getting out of it. You know, it's kind of and as city fans, I mean, I think all you can do is is absolutely not give a monkeys because mm. it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about it, doesn't it? If they want to put asterisks against everything. You know, it doesn't really matter, does it? You know, the 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 end of the day, everyone looks at you and thinks, "Oh, city of city of 
cheated their way to this anyway, yada, 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 everything goes in brackets, everything has an asterisk. Well, it really doesn't matter. It only matters what the punishment is if there's a punishment. Yeah. I think I think in terms of worrying about what other people think, I think that, that boat sailed. Yeah. Dan, I, I, I get the sense that you're quite laissez-faire on, on this and, and kind of you that that's kind of where you fall. You'd rather there not be a punishment, but if there is, so be it. Well, I'm at the point now where I'm sort of avoiding having conversations or even really thinking about this stuff because I have absolutely no idea how any of it is going to go and neither does anyone else if they're being honest about it. And I would I would find social media a lot more palatable if more people were willing to admit that, that they don't have a clue because nobody does. And I think a lot of people are getting very excited about the possibility of City facing like an extrapolated version of Everton's punishment, you know, 115 times 10. Oh, where are they going to end up? Northwest Counties League, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the two cases are apples and oranges, aren't they? really it's, it's two very different things and I also think the 115 numbers is a is surely a bit of a misnomer because because I think most of those charges will probably fall by the wayside before it even gets in front of the independent panel and we don't even know who the independent panel is yet so that's how how little information there is about what the outcome of this is going to be the only thing I'm, I'm pretty confident about is it's going to be really hard to prove City's unequivocal guilt and I think the club's bullishness since the charges dropped has made me think like surely there's more to this than meets the eye surely they've got a um, you know, a silver bullet or something that that makes it all go away. I don't know, but ob- obviously, whatever happens, like Sarah said, City are definitely guilty. You know, we should be relegated, and if we if we're not, we'll be accused of corruption anyway. And that that stuff's kind of water off water off a duck's back to me at this point. I think it's it's just idiots with personal biases. You know, like we all have talking bollocks about something they haven't even really begun to understand. And yeah, I might be in a minority of City fans, but I genuinely hope justice is done one way or the other. I, I don't think what City are accused of is necessarily crime of the century, no matter how sort of nefarious people try and make it sound. But if they've broken the rules that they signed up for beyond all reasonable doubt, then I think they should be punished accordingly. And I've more or less made my peace with the fact that we might be sort of rudely awoken from this lovely dream we've been we've been living in and we might get relegated and, you know, our titles might be stripped from us, etc. And I just wonder if all the Liverpool and United and Arsenal fans have sort of made their peace with the fact that they might be disappointed by the outcome of the investigation next year. I suspect they probably haven't. Yeah. Um, let's let's move away then from uh, the controversy and move bit, a, bit, a bit closer to things going on on the pitch because uh, the other news this week is uh, Calvin Phillips is joining West Ham on loan. There's not really a lot to say about this, but it just feels like a good move all round, Sarah. It absolutely does. You, you know, we, we kind of waited for Calvin Phillips... To, to go through the usual pep sort of, you know, six months or to a year of getting used to it. He never did. I'd, I genuinely think he's he's a, he's a decent player that just doesn't fit City's system, isn't quite good enough. And I think certainly to play that role in the central midfield, you have to be, you have to be quick in the brain, quick in the feet. Don't think he's got that. Don't, you know, and, and no, and no, that's, that's, there's no shame in that, is there? If you're not good enough for the, to be to, to play for the best team in the world, despite all efforts, fair enough. He's never you know he's never looked like he didn't care. He's never looked like he wasn't trying. He just wasn't good enough, and he, and he absolutely will suit the style at West Ham a hell of a lot better, a hell of a lot better. He will look, you know, he will look good in that West Ham midfield, and everyone will turn around, and everyone from the outside will turn around and go, oh, maybe maybe City have made a mistake. But no, City will not have made a mistake. City. Have, realised he's not for them and, and, have, and have allowed him to join a club where he, at a level where he will look again, look like the, the very good player that he is. He's just not a brilliant player or certainly not a brilliant player for Man City. I'm really happy he's got a move. As, as, an, as an England fan, he needed to get a move. I didn't like the idea of him going into this, this summer, having not played a lot of football because of the dearth of options. 
amongst England midfielders, then he was always going to be in that squad anyway. So great that he's got a move. Great that he's got a move for a decent club, and and I, I hope he looks good in the next few months. And I hope I think City fans will probably hope he looks good as well. He's not he's not one that you think, oh god, he might prove us wrong. I think it's just, you know, with all the best will in the world, it didn't work. Hope it works from somewhere else. Yeah, is there, is there any need for City to go out and get a replacement, Dan? Given that that they never used him anyway. What, so what are you like, replacing? Yeah. So it's <laughs> you know, it's pointless. Yeah, he he brought good vibes around the place, probably. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I think a replacement or a backup um, is needed, you know, for Rodri is needed long-term, but I, I doubt anyone will come in this month. And and even then, like, what kind of profile are they looking for? Do you want someone who can compete with Rodri or someone who can just fill in from now and again, you know, when he's suspended or injured and, and happy sitting on the bench the rest of the time? That kind of player doesn't really exist. It's like, um, it's almost like trying to get a really good backup goalkeeper. And, you know, we thought we had one of those with Stefan Ortega and by all accounts, he might be off in the summer now because he's too good for our bench as well. So... I think it's just difficult when you've got a player of Rodri's calibre to have anyone who can be sort of second fiddle to them. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like Tottenham trying to sign a backup to Harry Kane. They found it absolutely impossible yeah. to do because you can't. Who 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 signs up to be to be the second best in your position and you know you're never gonna you're never gonna make it, never gonna be first choice. I think I think that is an impossible task. And where they go with that is really interesting. It'll it'll probably be knowing Pep. It'll probably be someone that they they train from inside the club rather than trying to buy a ready-made replacement. Yeah, it'll be a centre-half stepping in there anyway. That's Absolutely. how it works these days, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring this in, uh, Dan, for you, uh, because Francis Foles has been in touch on the emails to say, uh, you've often spoken about your favourite City shirts, but what's your favourite City goalkeeper shirt? Just because you mentioned Ortega, I thought we'd do this now. Um <laughs> Uh, there's a, when I think of City goalkeeper shirts, I always go back to the 90s and for some reason Umbro decided to just kind of have like a, a an explosion in a dressing up box for a bit. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, um, the only one I ever owned was one I was bought when I was a kid, which was the yellow and black one we had in 95, 96. Yeah. Uh, makes me think of the great I Kimmel or the not so great I Kimmel. Um, <laughs> so I, it, it was just a sort of generic Umbro one that a few teams had, but I've always um, liked that one. And as for the kind of bes- bespoke ones, the one we had in 0910, the uh, green with the ra- the round white collar that sort of uh, mirrored the the home kit it was very yeah. very clean very Bert Troutman esque. Yeah, I I always think I always think it's a great shame that Nicky Weaver played in the orange goalkeeper kit at Wembley because the green one was better. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Um, and finally, uh, City have announced the signing of Claudio Echeverri from River Plate for around twelve and a half million. He'll join next January. Um, Sarah, I don't expect you'll know anything about him because uh, I know absolutely nothing about him. Uh, Dan, I don't think you know anything about him either. But uh, you seem quite excited about this. Yeah, apparently he's the dog's bollocks. Apparently he's the next Messi, which um, that's never been an albatross around anyone's <laughs> neck before, has it? So good luck to him. <laughs> Yeah, so there we go. Uh, But that brings us to a close then for this week's episode of the Blue Moon Podcast. Thank you very much for listening and thanks also to my guests for this one. Dan Burke. Thank you. Very happy to um, single-handedly stop the woke mob from ruining the uh, one football, uh, the Blue Moon podcast and at least the One Football podcast. Then. And uh, Sarah Winterburn, thank you very much. No problem at all. Happy to tick your boxes. Lovely, <laughs> lovely stuff. Uh, a clip of the latest Patreon show is on the way. I'll be back next week to review the games against Spurs and Burnley. See you then. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please give the show a rating and a review where you can. And don't forget, you can listen without the ads by signing up to our Patreon. You'll also get an extra episode each Monday. Here's a clip of this week's.
I feel like it was a culmination of everything that's happened over you know the last 10, 15 years of the setbacks and then especially in the Champions League. I mean the year before which Real Madrid weren't you know Real Madrid of old but they found a way to win and that made me think you know it doesn't matter what team they've got out there they've got the culture there and they've got Ancelotti and everything they actually improved going into this season. What's going to happen here? They've already proven they can come back from these sort of deficits and it was one all so we just had to perform so I think probably the losses helped us. Well, I remember this match perfectly because I was in Manchester. I think 1,000 fans from Madrid came over and we were to watch the match to print works. And we were in first row under a huge screen. And as the match kept going on, everyone was pretty much laughing at us. <laughs> so it was painful, to be fair. It was painful and we, we felt completely... Powerless. It's one of the most painful matches I've watched in Champions because, of course, we've lost a lot. But in this one, it's just we didn't even have the faith we usually have in Champions where you might be losing, but you have some chances to come back. This one was completely impossible. You can listen to more of that at patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. And join us again next time for another episode. <laughs>